At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Coming from in the great state of New York, on Long Island here, home of the Metsies and the Bronx Bombers. And as always, it's time to bring on my line drive radio teammate from the great city of Chicago, home of the Chicago White Sox. And those Cubbies got a big game tonight. Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab, how are you, my friend? And as always, I gotta ask you, what's going down in Chi Town? Uh, well, what, what's going down in Chi-Town? Uh, the hopes of fans in every major professional sport, apparently. Uh, with, uh, with the Cubs uh, actually winning too much to be in the bottom three and get themselves into the first draft lottery for Major League Baseball. With the White Sox in third place in the Central Division, finding new and creative ways to avoid grabbing the division when they have a golden opportunity to. With the Bears star middle linebacker uh, requesting a trade, with the Blackhawks tanking, and the Bulls kind of uh, in their summer of uh, go on vacation and don't talk much, uh, it has been uh, a Chicago Sports Talk Radio 12-step program for the last couple weeks, let me tell you, brother. My, my, that is a lot going on over there. and uh, Those Blackhawks, baby. I tell you. It's going to be some interesting stuff uh, for the hockey season when the puck drops here uh, in the not-too-distant future. But we don't want the cold to come back anytime soon here, Tab, because we're still hanging with the boys of summer. And um, my boys here in the Bronx here having a little trouble. Uh-oh. And, uh, and the Metsies, whew, they're on fire. You've got, the, you've got going. two teams in the state of New York. Uh, going in opposite directions right now, Paul. And I need to ask you, <laughs> no. uh, right out of the gate today. You want to talk Rangers hockey? Yeah, let's do that instead. Uh, yeah, let, let's talk. <laughs> uh, let's talk Truba being your captain. No. Um, <laughs> as we wake up on uh, Thursday morning, the 11th of October, in the year of our Lord 2022, the New York Mets have a better record than the New York Yankees. Did you see this coming with the Yankees sprinting out to their gargantuan lead? Uh, could you have foreseen the Mets having a better record than the Yankees as we approach the midpoint of August? Yes, absolutely, because that's what all the preseason predictions were, because the Mets have the stacked team. They they went and signed all the big 
free agent contracts and the pitchers and, uh, you know, the, the, you know, big God himself, the Grom is coming back. So yeah, I mean, you know, with all the, uh, the big money that the Mets spent, yeah, they, they should be exactly where they are right now. Okay. Leading the, uh, NL East there and just, uh, having a great time. Seven games back in front of the Braves right now. As far as the Yankees preseason, eh, wasn't much hope for the Yankees. So they've, uh, Turn the storylines around here a little bit. And they, yes, they have been, have, it is now past tense, have been the best team in baseball during the regular season this year. And they have just decided to now in the last, eh, it's going on about three weeks now, to start stinking up the joint. Couple injuries, couple of, um, a lot of mental mistakes, especially on the bases the other night. Um, but, you know, they're still okay because I think if you'd ask any other team, uh, you can ask the Boston Red Sox, uh, Tampa Bay Rays, the Baltimore Orioles, or even the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, would they like to be still 10 games up for the division uh, at this point right now? Yes. So they still got a little wiggle room. And uh, all the big shots, like I said, at the beginning of the season didn't even give the Yanks a sniff. They weren't supposed to be anywhere near this right now, so... Look, I'll take it. You know, as a, as a Yankee fan, they've been just having a great ride all season long, and we're dealing with it. They're 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 stinking, and and at the same time, they're actually playing and losing to teams that are actually playing some really good baseball. They face some really good pitching. Um, and what are you going to do in that uh, Garrett Cole uh, Castillo game the other night? That was just pure magic as far as pitching is concerned on both sides. Uh, you know, good for the Mariners with the walk off win the other night. I mean. It's okay. I think obviously if this starts if this doesn't turn around here, I mean two and eight in the last ten. Um, you know, and you know the Sox are chomping at the bits right now to just keep the misery going for the Yankees. So another good test for them here this weekend to you know, the opportunities are there for them here to kind of get the funk out. A couple of new players in the lineup, a couple of guys out of the lineup. Booney trying to, you know, work in the new guys, the pitching staff, kind of get guys used to you know, um, you know, being on this squad and everything else, I, I think hopefully, you know, uh, you know, another week or so here, they'll they'll start getting their rhythm. There's some good positive signs, you know, Donaldson here and and Benatendi uh, starting to swing the bat, Trevino, um, you know, Chappie's looking good. So it's just a matter of things kind of gelling here a little bit. So as far as the Metsies being in first, yeah, they're supposed to be. That's great. There's no parades for it. Um, and the Yankees right now, yeah, they've got a little wiggle room. Talk to me, you know, if, you know, when the Blue Jays or the Orioles are like, you know, four games behind them, then I'll be a little concerned. But Paul, so let's, let's spend a second there, uh, staying in the East, uh, cause I've got another issue to bring up regarding the Yankees, but I, I feel like we need to spend a moment here on fabulous line drive radio. Your favorite baseball podcast. It is. It's mine, uh, yes. Giving some flowers to a team that you just mentioned, and that is the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, they were supposed to be bad this year. They were, but coming, you know, last year on Line Drive Radio, I kept telling people, beware of the Mariners because they're going to have these kids like Julio Rodriguez come up and change the vibe and everything's going to be different. Julio's been the truth. Uh, I think he blew everybody's socks off in the home run derby, but people who'd been paying attention to Mariners baseball knew that he was legit before that. Uh, even folks that watched him in the minors, you know, I when I picked him to be the American League Rookie of the Year, Pat Unbeck. Hey, what's, his, Ted, what's his injury, by the way? 
Uh, I believe it's a hand issue. Um, but he's supposed to be back soon. It sounds like they're not really terribly worried about it. It's not like Tim Anderson who fractured his wrist on a check swing and he's missing four to six weeks for the White Sox who just continue to throw matches and gasoline in the dumpster on the south side of Chicago. The only reason um, I'm asking is because, uh, you know, the home run derby. I mean, did he get back into a, a series or two after the derby, after the All-Star game? Because I'm just kind of wondering. Um... Yeah, he was, he, was, he was all right after that. Yeah, all right. Uh, it, yeah, he got he got plunked by a pitch. So okay, all right. But but uh, it, not a deal breaker for him. But a little bit of time here on the Orioles because I've been saying like watch out when these kids show up because they're going to be good. Reinforcements are coming. The future's bright in Baltimore, and here they are. I think everyone expected them to probably still be on the outside looking in, but. Showing some signs, people buying tickets to see Adley Rushman and some of the other young kids in the lineup. And it surprised a lot of people. We talked about this a little bit last week after the trade deadline that they went ahead and traded their closer and Trey Mancini, who'd been the heart and soul of that organization, and obviously the organization working with him as he as he fought his way through cancer and mm-hmm. the docs on the team finding it and really saving his life in the first place. Um, you know, people thought, man, maybe they're maybe they're taking a strategic step back with the veterans right now because they they're playing with house money. You, we wake up on Thursday and, and look at the at the standings here, and Baltimore's tied for the last wild card spot. They have the best record in the American League East in their last ten. They're seven and three. They're the only team riding a win streak as we talk right now. They've won their last two. Every the top three teams in front of them, New York, Toronto, and Tampa, have lost their last two, and Boston's just continuing to leave skid marks in their underwear right now. So, <laughs> like, full marks to Baltimore. And Brandon Hyde, who, who was a coach with the Cubs before he got the, the gig in Baltimore, I think if you're talking manager of the year, people are going to talk about Buck Showalter with the Mets. He should be in the conversation after the time away. He's done an incredible job. They'll talk about Marmol and, and St. Louis and having them in first place in the division, obviously. And Dave Roberts with the Dodgers, I think the fact that they've won 10 in a row and they've got a 700 winning percentage and just look absolutely untouchable. Um, but Brandon Hyde should absolutely be in the conversation, and he would get my vote if I had one for manager of the year because what Baltimore is doing is really remarkable. They're 12 games over 500 at home. They're six games over 500 as a whole. They've suddenly got a positive run differential as a team, which I don't know if they've had since Cal Ripken Jr. retired. <laughs> um, and and I, I really think, you know, between Seattle and Baltimore, you've got a couple of teams that when you talk about teams that are tanking and, and they're terrible, like the Cubs and, and Pittsburgh and the Athletics, I think if you're, the, if you're a Pirates fan, you've got to be screaming into the abyss looking at, Again, you look at Baltimore and what they're doing right now in Seattle and the way that they were bad for a while, but they signed the right guys in international free agency. They've drafted well, and they're starting to matriculate these guys up, and it's turning into results at the big league level. And if you're Pittsburgh right now, you got to look at O'Neill Cruz is up, Cabrian Hayes is up. You're starting to get those guys up, but they keep turning stuff over, and they don't keep guys long enough to see it pay dividends at the major league level. Uh, but I throw it to you here, Baltimore, what they're doing, I think, is absolutely fabulous. And I love to see it because you need to have some of these teams that have been bottom feeders for five or 10 years 
at some point start to show a pulse. And Baltimore's showing more than a pulse right now. And even since the trade deadline, they haven't missed a beat. Even with, again, Mancini, who's the rock in that clubhouse leaving, they could have very easily folded their tents when Mancini got traded. I mean, you look at the vibe in Milwaukee when Josh Hader got traded, and they've really, I mean, they've won their last two, but they've looked pretty pedestrian lately. But Baltimore has really kind of continued to accelerate up the standings, and here they are playing for a playoff berth as we get in the middle of August. Yeah, no, it's great stuff. I mean, lucky for the Yanks, we don't see them until the end of the uh, season. <laughs> Three games set there at uh, at the end of uh, uh, end of September, I should say. Obviously, there in uh, the first weekend of uh, October. Is that good though? Like, yeah, you, you yeah. Want to be playing yeah, a Baltimore team yeah, that's playing for a playoff spot yeah. if you're the Yankees? Yeah, because you know what? At that point, look, this, look, the Yankees obviously have a a, a good meet of the. Schedule left here with, uh, you know, more run-ins with the, uh, I mean, the Red Sox this weekend. Hey, look, that's going to be emotional. It's going to be a, Yankees got to come out of this series. They got to take two out of the three here. And then, you know, boom, right back into it, the Rays. I mean, this is the big baseball games that are coming up for them the rest of this month. to get the Rays and, and, and the Blue Jays. And then another two-game set with the Metsies at Yankee Stadium. Ooh. You know, so I mean, this. You know, this, the Mets fans are going to be vibing for that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you got a good. I mean, they they need to worry about these next two weeks more than you know playing Baltimore at the end because at, at that point, either the Yankees or man, if they're if they're fighting for you know just to get into the playoffs, man, that'll be a major turn on this season here. But hopefully, they're in a situation where maybe they're still up ten, twelve games up on on you know uh, the rest of the teams here in the division. And, you know, maybe Bolton, they're bigger games for Baltimore. And either, you know, Booney's going to be able to rest some guys or, you know, it's it'll be a good uh, matchup against a hungry Baltimore team there at the end that's looking to get into the playoffs. So I don't I don't mind where the with, with, where those three games sit with the Yankees here, especially with them, because I think the Yankees have a lot more lot more obstacles ahead of them before that Baltimore Orioles series. And no matter what the Orioles do the rest of the season here, you know, Booney and, and the Yankees here, they got to have blinders on right now. So I like the fact that they're feeling a little bit of heat. And you might say, well, 10 games, I mean, still have to worry. But you know what? It was, what, 16, 15, 14. Now it's like it's chipping away here. And you know Tampa and Toronto next week, um, especially if the Yanks come out of this with two losses against the, the Sox this weekend, they can chip away here uh, with some wins. So I I like the fact that the Heat's on this team right now because we got to sh- they got to show their metal they got to get their mojo back, and like we've said it at the beginning of the season, no matter what you do, it don't mean nothing um, as far as the end of the year is concerned and where you're going to finish up and how you're going to set up in the division and where you're going to be for the playoffs. And man, if you just look at what's what the Yankees start here this weekend, and these guys are professionals, they know what's going on. You know, we get Rizzo back here uh, in a flow as well, too. And, and now this whole new lineup where it's set. The trading deadline's done. Booney knows what he has. We get Stanton back here, hopefully, as well, too. And we can kind of get things rolling here. But it's right into the fire here these next two weeks, man. Tampa, Toronto, obviously, like, again, it's a big rivalry weekend. Boston's going to want them this weekend, no matter where they are in the standings right now. And, you know, then you're out west again for an Oakland team that's just not going to be easy to play against. And the Angels, they still sort of have somewhat something to play for. And plus, it's a West Coast trip. 
And then, bam, man, they come back from that, and there's a four-game set with the Minnesota Twins, who hate the Yankees. You know, so... They can't beat the Yankees, who are yeah. only one game back at Cleveland, fighting for their playoff lives. Because, let's be real here, you, you, if you want to get in the playoffs out of the Central in the American League, you have to win that division. You know, this... it is... Go ahead, I'm Cleveland, sorry. Cleveland jumped Minnesota here. Cleveland's won their last four. Minnesota's lost three, and now the... They've flipped it on on the Twins here, and now the Twins are looking up at Cleveland, and and I think that's a bit of a surprise. So you're right, and Minnesota clearly has issues with playing the Yankees. They haven't beat them in the playoffs in probably 30 years. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, th- that's a good transition because you talk about the Yankees looking at their own division and a 10 game lead. I think you should feel relatively comfortable. Look, especially when you have Rays nine, all- you have. You have nine games left with the Red Sox, including this weekend, right? Who and are then, brutal. Yes, and then you've got a pair of games against the, you know, the Pirates, and you know the the last series of the the season is against the Rangers. So, you know, there's some padding there, but there isn't. Look, the, the Yanks got to earn this. They've got the lineup. They've got the team. You know, the pitching's just got to. You know, whether the Montgomery trade or whether that's going to happen, losing King here and stuff. We'll see. What, you know, Severino. I mean. There's a lot of factors in play here, but the last thing I'll say on this, and I'll throw it back to you, is the Yankees lineup is set. So they're dealing with Stanton, Carpenter, and obviously Rizzo coming down, going down and coming back now. As far as you know, major injuries here. The pitching staff pretty much knows their you know their um their slots here. So just going to roll it out. It's a damn good lineup. They got a ten game lead. They're pretty pretty good here. Go out and earn your pinstripes and be a championship baseball team and go into this meat grinder this month and make it happen, and then you don't really have to worry about, um, you know, towards the end of the year here. So, um, yeah, these next two weeks for me for the Yanks is, is just absolutely huge. Well, here, here's my question, though. The Yankees, I, I think we agree, don't necessarily have to worry about the East. I think the Blue Jays, Rays, and Orioles – are going to fight with each other to figure out between the three of them and the Mariners what the mix is for the wild card spot, which will be fun watching it down the stretch because you got, as you said, in the East, the Yankees included, those four teams are going to see plenty of each other and beat each other up pretty good. Uh, and then you got the Mariners out of sight, out of mind, out West, who are hanging in that conversation as well. Um, so you've got four teams fighting for a wild card spot here. But my concern, if I'm the Yankees, is this. And, and, and you mentioned it earlier. In that Garrett Cole-Luis Castillo game, as a Yankee fan, you just kind of shrug it off, right? Like, man, Castillo pitched his tail off. Great game. It wasn't like Cole was bad. I would say that, that was one of his better starts, really, of the second half. Um, but here's, here's where my concern is if I'm a Yankees fan. Right now, as we record this, they are tied for the best record in the American League with the Houston Astros, who just got Lance McCullers back into the rotation, and they're going to slot to a six-man. And they're, frankly, their rotation has been, for my money, probably the best and deepest in baseball this year. And Jordan Alvarez is the only guy, in my estimation, who's really putting pressure on Aaron Judge for the American League MVP. When you talk about the postseason, I think – the Yankees and Astros both, the Astros have a 10-and-a-half game lead on the Mariners. I think that they both feel pretty confident that when you look at the gap and where their records are at, that they'll be the 1-2 seed. 
but then you start thinking matchups, right? And who would you rather get? And if I'm the Yankees, I think I'd, I, I would be more concerned watching the, the standings with Houston than the Blue Jays, Rays, or Orioles. Because if you're the Yankees, I think you would prefer to be the one seed and and get the the worst advancing wild card team versus being the two and getting a, a less favorable matchup. Because if you've got Cleveland or, or Minnesota, you know, playing in that first round, frankly, if, if you've got Castillo rolling out and Robbie Ray rolling out there for Seattle or Gossman and Barrios for Toronto, uh, McClanahan for Tampa, you know, they're going to obviously have to use a little bit of pitching to get, get onto that next round. But if I'm the Yankees, I, I would rather have the worst case scenario be avoided and stay the number one seed in the American league. Because if you look at matchups, we joke about Minnesota not being able to beat the Yankees. And obviously now they've got a situation in their own division to worry about. But if I'm the Yankees, I want nothing to do with Seattle in the, in the first series of your postseason. Because that what we've seen in the last couple weeks is that Seattle actually matches up about as well as anybody. And they've certainly played as well as anybody against the Yankees. Uh, and and so that that's where I, I start projecting stuff out. If I'm a Yankees-Astros fan, I'm looking outward to October and I'm saying, who do I not want to play? And how do I in all of my put all of my energy into not only sustaining where I'm at, but avoiding a team that's going to give me fits? And the Mariners, likewise, the Astros should be totally cool getting the Mariners because they've had the Mariners' number. And it's really interesting to see how the Astros have just bludgeoned the Mariners. And then the Mariners turn around the next day and have no problem waking up and putting it on the Yankees. So what are your thoughts as far as Yankees-Astros being the, the real pennant race, if you will, for the pinstripes to be concerned about and how concerned they should be about positioning themselves as the top seed to avoid a less favorable matchup potentially in their first playoff series? See, this is, this is the vibe, and I got it from, uh, you know, some buddies of mine, too, Yankees fan stuff, and this is where this this vibe needs to be turned around. The other teams need to fear the Yankees. The other teams need to be concerned about what's going on in the Bronx. And as far as I'm concerned right now, there's a lot of baseball left in this regular season. The Yankees right now, we talk about this as far as them, you know, coming off the tracks here a little bit. I'm totally content that it's right now. And they're going through their injuries right now. The trade deadline's done. Um, and, and things have kind of, things are kind of the stability that the, the Yankees were running on there where they're just, you know, whatever, just cruising through things and cruising through teams and answering the bell, whether it's uh, all kinds of baseball that they can play. I, I totally feel that that's not gone. And, yes, they struggled against the Astros. They struggled against the Mets. They struggled against, you know, the teams that look like they're going to be probably going to have to face at the end of the season one way or the other, whether it's to get through the divisional playoffs, the wild card, and to get to the World Series. The Yankees are going to have to beat the best, and they're going to have to be their best. I can't look at it like I, I we've got to change this as, as a Yankee vibe or a feeling like we got to be concerned about the Astros. We got to be concerned about uh, the Mariners or 
uh, how anybody else ends up, or, the, or however ends up, whatever happens here, Tab, they're all damn good baseball teams. Yep. And the Yankees lineup is set. Now, where it is right now, hopefully it's going to be healthier and more cohesive, and it's a more of a flow by the time we get to um, September. Okay? All these teams that the Yankees have just had a lot of trouble with, too, they still got a, a mean of their schedule left here, and they could also get their injuries. They could lose a guy. They could lose a player. They could go into slumps. The Yanks are going through that right now, and I'm telling you right now, with a 71-game win season right now and, and 30 games over 500 and a 10-game leave in the division, um, that's okay. And with looking at the schedule, and, yeah, they've got to show up here. I don't want to... I know what you're saying in terms of what I just, the bottom line for me is we can't be concerned anymore. You just got to play. That's how you become a champion. I mean, if you, if you, and I know we'll get into the National League here a little bit. Like we were talking last week about, you know, the Padres and, oh, never, you know, the, the anxiety and the stress that the Dodgers might have to go through now with playing the Padres in their new lineup with Soto and everything. My God, they made men's meet. They've won 10 in a row. The Dodgers are monsters. They are the best team in baseball. So to me, it's like, wow, if the Yankees get through everything in the American League, could you imagine having to play that monster of a team on the other side? And that's a great problem to have you get there. I'm, I'm in short, Tab. I want to get over the fact of the Yankees having to be concerned with anybody else. I think the other teams need to get concerned about the Yankees. And I think the Yankees have more than enough time and an incredible talent, a great clubhouse, a really good manager. They've got a great lineup. They can do this. They just have to put it together. I think there's enough baseball left here, and if they can stay healthy, get some guys back. I want the Astros and the Mets or the Mariners or the Orioles to be those guys worried about playing the Yankees. And I think the Yankees have that potential to have that lineup. If Garrett Cole stays healthy, he's a monster. He'll get there. He'll get in there. And the bottom line is, man, the chips are going to fall where they may. Um, And as a Yankee fan, we're going to make the playoffs. And I'm confident about this lineup going into it. Uh, And we, they just, we can't be afraid of anything. And it is what it is and what their struggles are. But let this lineup now, after the trade deadline, let them get healthy. It's a long baseball season, 160 some odd games. And they played pretty damn well. They, they, it's okay to give them a mulligan here for a few weeks, as long as they get it back together. If this thing goes off the freaking cliff here, and they and they go really south, then then it's going to get back to the beginning of the season tab, and then it's going to go back to questioning Booney, questioning Cashman, questioning um, you know the guys that are in this lineup, the money they've been paid. You know, you can talk about uh, Hicks's money and every everything else, and then you start questioning what goes on. Aaron Judge is going to have his – he's having an amazing season. He's going to get his big money one way or the other next year, and it's going to change. So if it all falls flat by the end of the year here, then you know what? You go back to the beginning of the season when everybody said the Yankees really didn't have much of a chance and they were going to play just to kind of, you know, uh, play for credibility this year. So in your question, as far as concerns, my thing is, is the Yankees got to turn this around. Forget about being concerned about everybody else. Make them concerned about you. The – I, and and I, I'm with you on that. And that's, I think, what George Steinbrenner would say. Absolutely. Right? And, and maybe his son needs to, uh, though the personalities have generally been fairly different, 
especially when dealing with the media and, you know, George loved cameras. He was baseball's Jerry Jones, right? You got no <laughs> problem telling you exactly what I think about everything. Uh, but they, they need a George Steinbrenner pep talk right now. So we will, we'll be interested to see how stuff continues to play out in the American league and the national league. Um, you know, the Phillies seven in a row, they're the second hottest team in baseball behind the Dodgers. As you mentioned, Dodgers are just a juggernaut. And I think if you're anyone else in the national league, you look at the Dodgers entering Thursday, 40 and 15 at home, knowing that the majority of your games are going to be stuck being played in LA. And that that's a daunting proposition, right? Like that, who wants to go into LA? But if you're a media exec, you've got to be salivating at the prospect of an NLCS being New York, LA. Absolutely. And then potentially having a world series continue to be New York, LA. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's what everybody wants, right? Everybody wants the big markets. Everybody wants the sex appeal of, of the bright lights in New York and and the party atmosphere in L.A. And I think if you're writing a storybook, you know, I think the Dodgers winning the World Series in, in the year that Vince Scully passes away would be, uh, you know, one of those end-of-season montages that uh, you really – can't even dream of, but you do, right? The idea of Vin's voice telling you that it's time for Dodger baseball for game one of the World Series at Dodger Stadium is, I think, what a lot of media execs would salivate over. But, you know, you look around the National League right now and the Mets with a seven-game lead, they won eight of their last ten, still gave up a game to the Phillies who are 9-1 and one in their last ten. But the Mets have a seven-game cushion on the Braves. Dodgers are running away with the West, even though the Padres are playing better and Juan Soto's starting to crush the ball and get comfortable out there and those lovely brown uniforms. <laughs> um, uh, and, and then you got the Phillies kind of now sprinting into a wild card situation as well. Um, what fascinates me is the, the battle in the Central Division, and I think in both leagues, because mediocrity is winning the day. And Milwaukee trading Josh Hader really feels like it's backfired. And the vibe in that clubhouse hasn't necessarily been good. They won their last two, but they're four and six in their last ten. They're a game back of St. Louis now, who's won eight of their last ten. Nolan Arenado is playing like he should be at the top of the list for the National League MVP. Uh, obviously, you know, Manny Machado would have a, something to say about that. Francisco Lindor is going to have a lot to say about that, the way that he's playing right now. And some others, but, you know, the Cardinals now sitting 12 games over 500, 15 over 500 in St. Louis. Uh, they're in first place in the division, Paul, and they are under 500 on the road. It's crazy. Think about that. They are under 500 on the road, and they are in first place in the division, which when you look at, at every other team that's got a divisional lead, uh, they share that with, the American League Central, where Cleveland is one game under and the Twins are two games under 500. Ironically, the White Sox are five games over 500 on the road and four games under on the road or at home on Chicago's south side. They're, they've lost 29 and 125, but they're five games over on the road. So uh, the two Central divisions, I think, are going to give you the drama down the stretch here for who wins it. 
And in both divisions, it looks like you're going to have to win the division to get a playoff berth because you're going to have at least probably two teams out of the East and then one in the West making uh, making those three uh, wild card spots happen uh, right now. If we're going to bank on Seattle uh, beating out one of Tampa or Baltimore and San Diego, uh, it looks like they're probably going to slide in there because it looks like you're starting to get a pretty decent gap here. Milwaukee is kind of on the periphery here a couple games back of Philadelphia, but uh, it looks like you're, you're starting to get some separation in the National League for everything except for the Central Division top spot. So um, lots of in, intriguing stuff going on in the standings. Uh, at the bottom of the standings, Paul, uh, we've got some teams that are struggling right now. We've got some teams that have issues. And one of those teams made a change in their front office Yesterday, the Detroit Tigers fired Al Avila, who'd been with the organization for a couple decades. Uh, they pushed their chips in with uh, Javier Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez being the veteran additions, and they've been just crushed by injuries. Um, but if when you you know look up and down the standings here, are there any other GMs that you think might uh, might be in danger of uh, joining Mister Avila in the unemployment line? <laughs> Probably a few, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, maybe maybe because of his tenure, maybe it's just you know it's time for him to go. It's a little too long. Maybe I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to be straight up honest with you, brother. I I am not you know ultimately familiar with all the names running the front offices here for all the teams. You know, I mean, you know, I you know when you think of of firing guys. You know, to me, it's it's more of a, it's not so much the bottom of the, the bottom of the standings for teams, unless it's a team that you, that should have been there, that should have been more competitive. Um, those are the guys that probably you're going to have to look at. So, you know, I'm looking at maybe the Rockies, maybe a little bit. Um, you know, mm-hmm. what about Texas? You know, as far as you know where these teams have been, what they did in the off season, and you know, expecting a little more from them than they, they probably got. I'm, I'm you know. You know, let's go to your Chicago White Sox. What do you, where do they stand right now if this season becomes a bust for them after all they've done in the last couple of seasons? Well, I would argue it's already a bust. And they've had injuries to deal with. And what makes the White Sox situation interesting, and I've said it here and I've said it in a few other places, um, if I'm Rick Hahn, I would walk into Jerry Reinsdorf's office and submit my resignation before they blame me for what happened this year. Yeah. yeah. Because the reality is Rick Hahn, the GM of the Chicago White Sox, was not the guy who chose Tony LaRusso. Jerry Reinsdorf was. And when you look at the lineup construction and player usage, even with the injuries that they've dealt with and they've lost significant time for guys that are supposed to be crucial parts of the lineup, like Eloy Jimenez, like Luis Robert. Um, you know, people are going to look at him and say, you know, the, the trade that you made for Craig Kimbrell last year undercut him pretty significantly. Uh, Nick Madrigal probably would have been, even though he's missed a lot of time with injury, he would have been a better option at second base than what they've had. Um, they did nothing at the deadline but bring in Jake Diekman, who coughed up a run last night. A big run, by the way, uh, and uh, it co- ultimately cost them a game that they needed against Kansas City. 
Um, and so, you know, people are, he, it's easy to make the GM, the scapegoat. And as you said, with the Yankees, you know, the blame game ultimately comes down to, uh, the manager and then the GM, because he more times than not, you can't fire the players. Right. And in the case of Avila, he made a couple big moves. He banked a lot of his building process on arms and a lot of those arms like Mize and Manning and Scooble have dealt with injuries this year. Eduardo Rodriguez uh, went AWOL for months. Uh, and Baez has not been able to carry the load, but it's hard to say one guy is supposed to win you ball games when a big chunk of the rest of the lineup isn't performing either. Um, so I understand how Detroit, with a guy that's been in the, in the organization for a long time, it's looking to make a change. The Illich family whether it's the Tigers or the Red Wings, have never had a problem with uh, two things. One, making bold moves to improve their winning probability, but also being loyal. And you look at how long a lot of guys have had their jobs in, in Detroit, whether it's with the hockey team that's also owned by the Illich family or the Tigers. And they've done, a, 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 almost to a fault, been loyal to a lot of people. And so making that change now is interesting with two months left in the season because you're not going to change much at this point, but it's going to give a new voice in the front office, even if he only has an interim tag, some time to develop his own evaluation strategy for the talent that they have and make some choices in the offseason and present you know, a battle plan for how to change course here in the offseason because they've got some young guys. We talked about Detroit with guys like Torkelson and Riley Green coming up in the same breath that we did Baltimore with Adley Rushman and some of their young guys. And it's worked for Baltimore. It has not worked in Detroit. So um, it, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what the winner holds for the Detroit Tigers with the obligations that they have and that they've made uh, and how they look at flipping the script. But I, I think the front office on the south side of Chicago is one that I look at that is absolutely fascinating because they've had two years riddled with injuries to key players. Um Dylan Cease has been tremendous. Rick Hahn should get full marks for getting him from the Cubs uh, in the same trade as Aloy Jimenez for Jose Quintana, who did really nothing for the Cubs. And they and the White Sox made a great trade there. But uh, depth is where the GM comes in when injuries happen, as you said with the Yankees, as we've said with – I mean, look, the Dodgers have done this without Walker Bueller, and now Clayton Kershaw is dealing with the back, and they don't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the GM's ultimately responsible for the roster that he hands the manager and having enough depth to get over injuries when they happen. Uh, but Rick, the, what makes the White Sox unique is Rick Hahn did not choose Tony La Russa. His owner did. His boss did. And I think that there's a lot of teams that would be happy to have someone like Rick Hahn making decisions based on some of the moves that he's made uh, and some of the pieces that he's brought into the fold. And if I were him, I wouldn't want to be held responsible for Tony LaRusa's management of the roster that he's given him because LaRusa hasn't done the job. LaRusa's been terrible. Uh, he's and I think White Sox fans have been pretty vocal about that. And the White Sox need to make a number of systemic changes. And the biggest for me, as far as the on-field product, is LaRusa needs to be gone. But Rick Hahn didn't make that decision, and he's stuck in a really hard place right now. Because he didn't choose the manager. The manager's a big problem. And if the owner chose the manager and the owner and the GM don't see eye to eye on that decision, 
there's going to be other decisions that they don't see eye to eye on. And if I'm Rick Hahn, I would rather choose my own adventure uh, than allowing the front office to be blamed for what's happened on the field. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I guess, what do you, what do you, how do you feel? I mean, this is in all sports too, you know, listening to, I mean, it's such an obvious thing, right? It's the, it's the blinking red light. It's the, the hazard sign. It's the red flag. And it, it all points to La Russa there. And to be a GM in a situation where, you know, I can't fire this guy or, or should he fire him regardless? And like you're saying, maybe hand in your resignation papers or whatever ahead of time. But I mean, how does that, how does that administratively work? And what, you know, if you can't fire the guy, even though it wasn't your decision, I mean, why would you even want that position? You shouldn't. And that's why I think that that's what I would do if I was Rick Hunt. It's a, it's an impossible situation. So um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in Chicago, because that's a team that, openly said guys like Tim Anderson said it's a world series or bust this year. And now it's, it's division or what? <laughs> right. So an interesting one to watch. Um, also interesting to watch Paul, uh, you know, quickly, uh, as we look at, at putting a bow on line drive radio tonight. Uh, and if you haven't seen it yet, uh, John Morosi tweeted a great video from Joey Votto that if you're a dad and we, we talked about this when my son went to Cooperstown and, uh, you know, shout out to Cooperstown all-star village for sharing our podcast yes. from a couple weeks back Bravo, uh, as you. we kind of talked about the, uh, the emotions and the nostalgia and fall in love with the game all over again that I had going to Cooperstown with my son. Um, but Joey Votto talked about how feel the dreams is really part the, he connects with the film is looking forward to the experience in Iowa tonight because his entire baseball journey starts with uh, playing catch, or as I said in the movie, having a catch with his dad who recently passed away. Um, and so really emotional video from Joey Votto. But, uh, you know, after last year's game that I think you had two playoff teams and gorgeous jerseys and all the hype in the world that you'd ever want, and then the drama, you know, the late home runs from both sides, just an incredible game. I mean, that game would have been a, a top five regular season game if it wasn't being played with corn for an outfield wall and Kevin Costner giving you the intro. Um, but this year's a different vibe. You've got bottom feeders in Cincinnati and Chicago, and the jerseys are going to look great, but the teams are going to leave a lot to be desired on the field. Um, but, Paul, what are you looking forward to with the Field of Dreams game tonight? Well, I think more than anything, it's just that the, it's the whole um, – it's the visual aspect of the game. You know, I understand. Like I said, it's not two good teams. It's they're, 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 you know, they might be able to match the the competitiveness of the game because of the level both teams are on right now. I'm saying, like, you know, it could be a close game. There could be a walk off. I mean, that could always happen in any kind of in any baseball game. But visually, I think that's that's the beauty of it. And I, I think what my question is, you know, and again, we're big hockey guys too. And you know, the 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 NHL has the Winter Classic, and then they bring in. You know the uh, the stadium series games where they do a couple of games uh, throughout the years uh, throughout the year in um, in other cities and stuff. My thing is is why not do this more than once during the yep. year? Amen to that. Because you know in a, in a game that uh, is is 
it's beginning to evolve as far as technology on the field. You know, the contracts, the money, the playoffs now. There's there's a lot of, you know, the, the, the sports gambling, how the game is filmed, the million podcasts, you know. God, I, I wish I had the time to just sit sit down and watch MLB Central all day and, and the guys in the morning and stuff because they're just fantastic how they take you through. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this, and, and that's what I love about watching that in the morning too because it, it brings you into every city and because baseball is a, is an American game. It's got all these great cities and obviously in Canada too, Toronto and stuff. But why why not do this a little more because I think if, if MLB can somehow try and hang on to tradition, I think we have, what, three original ballparks left here. I think we talked about this the last couple of uh, episodes. You know, you reminiscing to Cooperstown. Granted, we all talk in the age that we are, right? So myself and you, I'm a little older um, in terms of how the games affected us as kids when we were younger. You know, me listening to you talk about Cooperstown and, and, and your kid and, and, and appreciating the game and playing the game and loving the game, my kid just getting into it. So to me, the field of dreams reflects, just like Vince Scully we talked about last week, it's just the great days of the game or the originality of the game. I think if you think of the beauty of baseball in terms of just how it was how it was originally invented, and I'd love to do a podcast on that one day on, on one of the shows here where we just talk about how the game was invented, how the, the strategy of the game was developed, you know, the offense, the defense, how the position players came into play, how pitching evolved, because it's an amazing game. And so the Field of Dreams to me reminds me of the, the, the simplicity, the tradition of baseball, and that, that movie with Coster and obviously and everything else that goes with it. And I think that was the beauty of the movie, too, because it brings you back to just the beauty of the game and the originality of the game. So I would like to see more Field of Dreams games. Why not? It doesn't have to be like 10 or 15 of them. But why not do one on the West Coast? Well, not what I'm saying, I, they're doing it in that, it have to be in Iowa, excuse me. But uh, involve other teams from other coasts and other parts of the country and maybe get, you know, four or five games in a year. I, I would just like to see more of it. Well, and I, you know, I, to that end, though, I, I, I do think that playing major league games in non-traditional venues is a great thing, and I don't know if it necessarily has to always be Iowa. And next year they've already said that they're not going to have a Field of Dreams game because there's going to be some construction out there. But, ah, come on! But, really? but, <laughs> but we've seen games played in other places. You know, there was the game that they played in Cuba – that was incredible. Um, I would like to see some games played in non-traditional places at, from a major league perspective. You know, what What if, you know, and, and I, I've openly advocated for Major League Baseball to be more involved with Puerto Rico. I'd love to see a game or two a year or a series played in Puerto Rico. Um, and obviously they've still got infrastructure issues from the hurricane um, and that's Wouldn't a whole that other be a great way to, but, to help raise money if they did it that way? I mean, the problem is, yeah. is that it would have to be a, you know, I, I would see something like that in Puerto Rico is going to be a non, non-regular season game. You know, I, I mean, that would be a great idea. I mean, anything that they could do, we're bringing the get, game get into down the, get to. Get into the big stadium, and, and, and when you say it, it, it's an American game, I, I've often said that it's the America's game 
and I moved the apostrophe from after the A in Americas to after the S. Yeah, I agree. Because of the influence that you have from the Caribbean, from South America. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. So look, look, there are game. I mean, look, if you fly from New York to LA, it's a monster flight, right? If you have Atlanta and Miami play a three game set in Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic, I think that would be incredible. Um, if you play it, you know, a, a three game set, if the Rays and the Yankees or the Rays and the Orioles played, you know, teams that the travel isn't crazy going to Puerto Rico, I think it would be great. Um, I, you know, I look at Omaha where they play the College World Series. What big stadium? Uh, college players play there at the absolute highest level. What if Major League Baseball said, you know what? Let's go to Omaha and have Peyton Manning give you the speech instead of uh, Kevin Costner. <laughs> um, but I love the idea of non-traditional places because I think it opens the game to more places. Um, one last thing that I'll throw out here before we get to our Line Drive Radio Fantasy end of the week. Uh, if you love the idea of small-town baseball, uh, they're Gene Fruth, F-R-U-T-H, uh, is an, an amazing photographer who's done a couple of pictorial books celebrating the game. One looked at Latin America. Her most recent uh, is she basically drove cross country and took Route 66 and took pictures of baseball at the youth level. Uh, and and it, it, it's breathtaking. Um, and she's been doing a coast-to-coast book tour with that. Uh, I've worked with her in the past, and she's um, an amazing photographer, an amazing person. So if you really love that grassroots element, it's called grassroots baseball. Go give it a look. But nice. Um, but I, I love the idea of non-traditional stadiums. The issue that you're going to have is is the team giving up the gate. Uh, and if you're the Cubs, theoretically hosting a home game, or the Reds having four thousand people in Iowa is a little different than thirty thousand at Wrigley. Uh, or you know, eighteen thousand or whatever they're drawing these days in Cincinnati on a on a weekday, um, but yeah, I, I'd love to see some more non-traditional uh, venues be included because I I think it it gives you another aesthetic and I think that that's a beautiful thing and it it gives you something to celebrate in the middle of a long ass season. Yeah, no, um, hey, Kev, the um, the World Baseball Classic when that's played, do they play out of country or is it all in the states? Yeah. They do play out of country, uh, right? Well, they have, um, and I, I'm not sure what the venues look like for uh, next year's edition, and we'll definitely spend some time talking World Baseball Classic as you start having guys commit to play for their countries. Um, Marcus Stroman switching teams. He was the MVP of the last one and now, for the U.S., and now he's going to play for Puerto Rico. Um, but, yeah, for the large portion of the games, uh, and I think for the next one, I, my understanding is that all of them will be played in the U.S., uh, but I got to dig in a little bit on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. I mean, we're we're talking here, you know, Field of Dreams and more games and stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of bigger things, I guess, the league has to look at here, too. I mean, you you look at the uh, the big problem in, say, Oakland, you know, and, and, and as far as, you know, just getting people out to games and having special kind of games. I mean, they've got a couple of teams here in the league that can't even get people in the ballpark. Um, you know, among other things. So, I mean, I, I don't. I'd love to see them work it. I, you know, and I agree with you as far as the, um, you know, getting the games, uh, you know, down in Central and South America too would be great. Um, but I, I guess financially and logistically, whether or not that's something going to be pulled off, um, you know, because you know, tab two, it's it's all about money. It's got to generate money too. It's got to bring revenue. You got to get a big network to pick them up and everything else. And 
And that's it's all about the Benjamins, story. baby. Yeah, and I'm just like thinking in the background here too. And you just like I said, you think about what the A's and you know what will they end up in Vegas and and and, and some of the other teams here, uh, the bottom feeder teams that are just you know at this point of the season now. It is an abyss. You can barely get people out. I mean, you even watching the Yankees and the Mariners there the other night, right? After the moves the Mariners make, after how uh, they you know played, well, I mean, they couldn't even sell out the Yankee games. Yeah, you know. So we'll see, man. Um, but uh, you know, just uh, look. It should be fun tonight. It does to me. It doesn't matter who's playing. And I think all of us kind of, you know, maybe can just kind of step back and, and, and kind of look past that. And it's like us hockey fans. It really doesn't really matter sometimes who's playing in the Winter Classic unless it's the Blackhawks again. Um, well, they, they shouldn't <laughs> for a while because they're, they're terrible. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And, again, uh, you know, it's any, anything to uh, bring a little more focus into the originality of baseball. I think that's what uh, tonight's going to be all about. It should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Just like uh, real quick, as I want to bring up before, is, is what's going to be real fun here, too, is at the end of the month here, the Dodgers come in for a three-game set against the Metsies. And uh, I, I think that might be my one and only uh, trip to City Field this year to catch maybe uh, game one of that series. I'm hoping there might be a Dennis Bernstein sighting. Oh, well, I mean, if, if anybody's going to road trip for <laughs> Los Doyers, especially if they're in New York and he can get a good stake. Uh, it's probably going to be our, our good friend, Dennis Bernstein. <laughs> Too much. He's definitely riding the uh, the Dodgers wave right now. Oh, my God. He's been to the Super Bowl, the Stanley Cup Finals. We got to see Bernstein in the World Series again this year, man. I don't know if I can take it, Tab. No, it's too much. It's too much. All right, before we head on out of here, let's do uh, your fantasy ad of the week here. Brought to you by Mr. Tab Bamford. And uh, so get your pads and pens out here, and let's try and make you guys some money. Ted, what do you got for us this week? Uh, because defense doesn't matter, uh, I'm going to uh, suggest that you consider Paul DeYoung, shortstop of the St. Louis Cardinals, who recently rejoined the Major League roster after some rehab. Uh, last week, he's batting 409 with a, a robust 552 on base percentage, nine runs batted in on nine hits, six runs scored. As many walks as strikeouts. Uh, if you've got some injuries to deal with, uh, if you're looking for somebody who's hot to stream against some guys who are struggling, uh, give yourself uh, some love with Paul DeYoung in St. Louis, who is owned in only 4% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. Right, four, like zero, four. Zero, four. Going some money. How's your uh, team doing there, Tab, by the way? Uh, one league uh, fairly well. Uh, the other league, uh, fairly terrible. And that's generally how it plays out. Uh, thanks in large part to most of my pitching staff getting hurt. Thanks, Freddie Peralta. Uh, when you, much like uh, I should fire myself, like Al Avila got fired by the Tigers because I banked on pitching and it didn't work. They all got hurt. So uh, so we're working on it. But uh, second place in one league and uh, not in second place in the other. All right, man. Keep it rolling, brother. Going to be all right. Hey, and again, man, uh, if you have a great, again, a big shout-out to uh, Cooperstown All-Star Village there for uh, giving us a plug there. And and definitely go check out uh, Tab's column there, at Bleacher Nation. Uh, is there a particular title you got going on for that, for everybody to check that out again? I believe the title was This Week Baseball Made Me Cry. Yes. Yes, that's it, folks. Go check that out at Bleacher Nation. All right? 
And if you like the puck, you like the Blackhawks, Tab's your guy, too. Check him out over there. All right, so before we uh, turn the sprinklers on, cover the infield, turn the lights off, close the concession stands, and head on out to the parking lot, it's time to say goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. So we want to thank everybody for uh, following us here at Line Drive Radio. Look, the, the, the meat grinder is beginning, folks. We're here for it. I'm excited. This is the this is the best time. Everything we were talking about in the beginning here, it's going to start churning big time. Everybody, All the good teams are playing good baseball, and it's going to be a good run to the finish here. So, Tab, please say goodbye to the folks, as you always do, before we say adios. Gra- you know, in the spirit of Field of Dreams, grab your son or daughter, grab a glove, grab a ball, go out and, as Kevin Costner said, have a catch and enjoy playing the game. Ah, well said, my friend. Well said. So go on out there. Watch that game tonight. Field of Dreams. Cubbies and the Reds. And as always, don't ever stop. Keep on playing ball. At Amica Insurance... We know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.